Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Now, we have a great show for you today. Uh, one thing we want to talk about in line with National Wellness Month is things that pertain to veterans, new, new news and information that you need to know about to make your lives better and healthier and, and more profitable for yourself. Now, on the line we have Dr. Deepa Johanna. Now, she's a primary care attending physician at Jesse Brown VA. Ms. Johanna, do we have you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing well today. That's great. That's great. Now, one of the things that you do with uh, veterans at the VA, explain to us what this initiative is about the JBVA, the Jesse Brown VA Black Lives Mentoring Committee Program, and what is the effort to promote diversity in medicine and in healthcare? All right. Well, I I wanted to start also... um, just by giving a little background on where all of this came from. So we have a task force at Jesse Brown called Jesse Brown for Black Lives. That task force was created last year, 2020, after the death of George Floyd. Um, We profoundly felt his death at our institution because many of our employees, 50%, in fact, of our employees are black, and many of the veterans that we serve are also black. Um, so you can just imagine, like, after George Floyd died, just the, the just the sadness that was felt. And we, we were tired of doing nothing about it. So we, we had the support of our hospital higher-ups or executive staff, and we were allowed to form this wonderful task force called Jesse Brown for Black Lives. Mm. The task force is far-reaching, and we do many things. Um, In addition to, you know, acknowledging like the racial trauma that our black citizens and black veterans have been through, um, we we also recognize the lack of uh, black physicians at our institution. And that's where um, the program that we have this summer, the mentoring program, comes in. Um, So just a little bit of the demographics of of black physicians. According to the American Association of Medical Colleges data from the 2018 physicians, uh, there's 5% of American physicians are black. But according to the U.S. Census data, uh, of all Americans, 14.1% of our population is black. That is a large disparity. Yes. Um, and that's something we felt we we felt compelled to to better and. So, you know, part of it is, you know, could we do better hiring black physicians? Well, I'm, I'm, of course, but there's also the problem of there's just not enough black physicians, period, to hire. Um, so we created this program to mentor to our local uh, black students, black and brown students, um, to help them on their way up to becoming a physician. Uh, it's a very long, arduous journey to get to being a physician um, and there's many steps along that path um, and we are helping with like one step of that path um, so to we to do this right 
we did partner with a local institution um, or foundation called the I Am Able Foundation, um, which is founded by a local black physician, Dr. Lamenta Conway. She actually went to med school at Rush. She did residency at UIC, which is one of Jesse Brown's youth affiliate uh, institutions. So, you know, we, we partnered with her so that we did this right. And we, you know, were able to serve our community the best. Um, so she, that the I Am Able Foundation provides the students the, a lot of the mentorship. But what they needed, um, which is an extremely important part of getting into medical school, is clinical experience. And that's mm-hmm. what we give them. So we created this amazing program where um, the students come in, they're onboarded as volunteers, and they get to um, spend time with physicians in multiple different specialties, our subsurgical specialties, our medical specialties, primary care. Um, they've even gotten to see, go into the OR and see some operations. They've um, seen how some procedures are done, like cardiac caps. So um, just a, a lot of different things. And on top of that, we also have some of the physicians giving like educational lectures about like diabetes, high blood pressure, and all of those um, basic topics. Mm-hmm. And what's uh, the age group for this for these for people in this program? So it's, it's, this year was very broad. We have like as young as a 15-year-old young lady, and um, we also have a young man who is a post-bac. So um, he has already graduated college and is currently in graduate school. Mm-hmm. So it's like at every we have like we had a total of seven students this year, and it's like this extremely wide range. Well, wow, I was really impressed, or really impressed by the number that we have five percent. Mm-hmm. Of doctors that are that are minorities, that minorities or African American or just minorities? African American. African American. Yeah. So five yeah. percent, but yet fourteen percent of the people are the, the patients out there are, are minority. I was expecting right. a much bigger number. Has that number gotten better over the last few years? Is it is it a number that's shrinking? Because we're seeing one of the trends that we see across the country is that we see a lot less, especially particularly African American men going to college. That's been a trend yeah. that's been happening for the last ten, maybe twenty years or so. So do we see uh, less minority doctors than we did 20 years ago? Are we seeing more? Is that a 5% number shrinking or is it growing? What's happening with that 5%? I, I guess to be honest, I'm not sure. I, but I, I know that it, it's, it certainly doesn't seem to be growing. Okay. Uh, when I went to medical school, my class was like uh, about 120 um, in my class, and there was one, one black girl. That was wow. it. Yeah. Wow. So what are the barriers? What do you think are the barriers that, that prevent minorities because in your in my mind as a college graduate you know went to a top you know 20 university i mean what i when i think of african-americans i think i I see us getting doing better in a lot of different ways particularly in in the academic uh, sector but the numbers just don't show don't don't show that no so what are the barriers for especially when you have things like the military the military is an excellent vehicle to get people educated because you can go you know to join the national guard like i did you can go to a state school where you can get your tuition paid for, you can get, you know, mm-hmm. even a stipend while you're in school. You know, we see also a trend in the military that there's a lot less African-Americans going through the military to, you know, to uh, further their careers, to get into the into their professional world. Because you can get training in the military that corresponds with what you're learning in, in college. Yes. So what are the barriers? What are we seeing? Is it, and we hear a lot about STEM. We hear a lot about, you know, the push for STEM in, in, uh, in, in the inner city and, and mm-hmm. in schools where there's predominantly minorities, what's the barrier? I, I know um, it. I think one is just like the amount of time it takes a physician to become a physician, and additionally, just 
the amount of preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of a lot of people know what the people people that become physicians like know what they need to do and they start doing it in high school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and and mostly you learn this from your your friends and family. Mm. Well, if 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 you're African American and there are only five percent black African American doctors, you know you're not going to be able to make that connection. Um, so it, it it you know it's just like this never ending cycle of of not able to encourage black children to get into medical or try medical school if they don't have the exposure. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're you know trying to do here is like give them that exposure that they maybe would not have otherwise and give them the connections because also to get these clinical experiences, you usually do it through a family or a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if, if, you know, if there's not enough black doctors and your, your, your parents may be well-educated, but if there's only 5% African-American doctors then your well-educated parents might not know a doctor. Mm-hmm. So it, it's still, it's, it's still a problem. Mm-hmm. And do you see there is any kind of correlation or, or, or difference between how minorities get uh, treated in healthcare as patients? Uh, do you feel, and, we've, and many people have talked about this or written about this topic, but from your experience, um, is there a disparity between what African-Americans and people and minorities, people of color, experience when they go into the doctor versus what the, the, the major population? Uh, yes, unfortunately, I do think that's true. Um, and then there are practices in medicine that are not correct. Uh, actually, for example, at, at Jesse Brown, one of the uh, JB4BL, the Jesse Brown for Black Lives um, Task Force, one of the arms of that is the clinical committee. So we have a group of physicians and um, clinical staff, uh, pharmacists, who are working towards removing like certain practices that are inequitable and really actually racist. You're saying of racist practices? So doctors actually doing things that, you know... No, to... I wouldn't say that. Okay. But like that, the, for example, um, um, the, in, when we calculate um, kidney function, mm-hmm. there is a formula that's used to calculate the kidney function, and it's, it can be calculated different for African Americans, uh, and this can lead to inequity. Okay. So there's a group of doctors at Jesse Brown that is working really hard to remove this practice of calculating kidney function differently for African Americans than other non-African American patients. Okay. So that can lead to inequity. So, right. so there's a, there's a um, sensitivity then that the doctor needs to have. Because I remember one time I went, to a, I went to a doctor, a civilian doctor, and the doctor told me that, well, you know, my blood pressure was too high. He said, well, you know, black people didn't have higher blood pressure. <laughs> and he kind of dismissed it <laughs> like it was no big deal. That, you know, if that's, yeah, you're a little bit yeah. higher than normal, but it's not a big deal. <laughs> but the, no, so the sensitivity yeah. of, like, what exactly um, is current or what's what's normal for African Americans might be a little bit different physiologically for for maybe for uh, other other groups other uh, demographic groups for different reasons maybe it's environmental maybe it's you know diet maybe it's you know culture part of it. So Jamie for BL has also produced like um, different lectures for our clinical staff so they are being trained better to not think of African Americans differently simply because of their skin color. Mm-hmm. That's what's happened in happened in medicine that's what happened i think with this um you know with this uh practice of calculating kidney function differently so you know we're trying to get away from that and educate people like not like there is only one standard for blood pressure okay. and that should not be different for african-americans or or white or hispanic or indian 
um, demographic. That makes sense. Now, that, you're the first person that told me that. I mean, I've always been told uh, from, from from a lot of inf- misinformation from people that have gone to the doctor, probably heard the same thing that I was told. But they were like, oh, yeah, African-Americans have higher blood pressure. That's just the way it is. You know, so, you know, this is still – so he adjusted his prescriptions based on the fact that, oh, you don't probably need to take anything right now. African-Americans always have higher blood pressure. But the reality of it is, though, is that, you know, when I start looking at what causes high blood pressure is from the little I know. I'm not a doctor or any medical professional whatsoever. But when you look at the diet and what's being – what people eat, you know, so if you look at yeah. uh, um, um, communities, African-American communities, uh, uh, Latino communities, Latinx communities – when you go out to, you know, your grocery store, you know, for, A, how, how close are you to a grocery store that serves healthy food, that has healthy things to eat? And then B, are you eating, you know, Takis and chips and Doritos or are you eating uh, fresh fruits and vegetables? Like what's the, what's the, the, what's the, the lion's share of your diet? And how does that play into, you know, the disparities in our health between communities that have more money and have more affluence and communities that don't have as much affluence? Yes, that's a huge problem that we have is just food deserts. So without having access to, you know, healthy like fruits and vegetables and grocery stores and people can't eat that food. And that is a big part of the of, of the elevated um, blood pressure problem mm-hmm. in, in certain parts, in some, some of our African-American communities in Chicago. And do you guys talk about that in your mentorship programs? Is that something that, so a person comes into your program, do they, mm-hmm. are they getting that kind of, um, uh, realization about what it, what they should be doing themselves and what the, their role is or importance of it and how important they are to the community? Um, so the mentorship program we have this year, we did not do those. We did teach them about high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, you know, it, what the d- diets and things, uh, how to achieve high blood pressure medications, how, what medications to take. But we did not delve. We did not delve into like the racial differences this year. But I, I do hope that in the future, because um, we, we're planning on um, doing this for um, hopefully for years to come until you know those numbers are equal. Um, the you know population of African Americans to the population of American Black American physicians is equal. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely something we want to expand on because we do offer that, those lectures to our staff. Um, and part of what we're doing uh, to help the students kind of solidify their knowledge and um, make help them get the confidence that they need when they're going to be going through their application process and their interviews is we're having a health fair at the VA for uh, veterans who are already in, enrolled in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jesse Balvier, um, August 18th and 19th. So we're hoping to kind of, so that the students can kind of spread their knowledge about what they've learned back to the community. Mm-hmm. And how do you see the kids receiving this? Have they been uh, very receptive to it or they, do you feel that it's making an impact in the community? Yes, I think they do. And um, I think with the lectures that they've had, um, they feel more prepared for their MCAT, which is a medical school entrance exam, for their basic sciences classes that they need to do well on in college to get um, into medical school. So I and and I hope that also that now they have more confidence in themselves because they've you know been given all this knowledge and they've been with physicians. They know what the day to day is like um, and that they can take this, you know, back to their communities, what they've learned, and even at least help their own families like with what they've learned. I think that's key. I, I think the approach you guys have, have taken, I think, really makes a lot of sense, and I think that's, I think it's um, a, good, a very good idea because I think exposure, your vision of what you can see, what is possible in your community, and what you can even do yourself, 
I think is critical for teaching kids that they can become doctors. They can become lawyers and politicians. You can basically be anything that you want to be, but you exactly. have to put the work into it. That's the thing. I mean, being, becoming a doctor, as you know, you've done this, is one of the most difficult professions anyone can get into. It's, you have to have it's the hot, one mm-hmm. of the highest levels of training that we have on planet Earth because you're putting people's <laughs> lives in your hands. I mean, you can't just – I mean, it's easier probably to be a rocket scientist than being a medical doctor. I mean, we actually really, really, really break it down. The training you guys have to go through. So uh, – but letting people know that, hey, this is something that's critical, something that actually is important, and it's a very lucrative field. I mean, I mean, I mean, being yeah. a doctor is one of the highest-paying jobs in, in, that you can get in the world. You know what I'm saying? I mean, at least in the United States. No, in other countries, it's not necessarily the case. But that's something that you know that by itself should attract a lot of people. But once again, if you don't have that vision, if you can't see the possibility of what it takes to, in order to get from point A to point B, it's just you're, you're walled off from it. So I think exactly. it's a great thing that what you're doing is great. So that's something that Dr. Um, Lamento Conway achieved. Uh, the founder of the I Am Able Foundation that we're working with. That's something that she says. You have to see it to be it. That's what we're giving them here. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. So what is a success story that you have personally? It's something that maybe touched you or maybe opened your eye to say, okay, this is something, this is working. This is why I'm doing this every day. Hmm. Oh, I mean, the, the kids are just, they're very, very grateful of just, and then also, like, I would say actually more the physicians. Mm-hmm. Um, my, it's, it's good for people to interact with people of other races. Like, so I, the, for, so the demographics of, the, of, of my personal, my, I, I'm a primary care doctor. So at the Jesse Brown main cam- campus, mm-hmm. um, the primary care doctors is actually zero black MDs um, or DOs in my group. Um, so I think about 20 doctors there. Are, we do have black physicians, but just not my group. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of doctors. So I think just like the, the brightness that these students bring to the day, their, their grit, their desire to learn their interest and how friendly and sweet they are. Like I, I really can tell that my colleagues have enjoyed working with them. And like, I have a feeling that a lot more physicians are going to join up to do this mm-hmm. next year. Um, and I also think like this program, it's one of the things that makes Jesse Brown so special. Mm-hmm. This is not, this kind of program is not something that's done um, at other facilities. Um, it, it, I don't even, it's not, it, you know, it's not being done at other VAs. Um, and, you know, I have many physician friends, they, none of their hospitals are doing anything like this. So I think it's it's a very special thing what Jesse Brown is doing. And I hope that some of your listeners have had or were not getting their care at Jesse Brown or at the VA will realize that, you know, we we want to help you. We really we really care about you, your community, your family. Um, and we're doing we're really trying to make your make your life better. I really appreciate all the information you share with us, doctor. This was really mm-hmm. eye opening. And I think also, too, like you said, I think very profound that people really need to know. I mean, less than 5% of our doctors are African-American. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a pretty profound statement. That, that's yeah. the reality here in America today. And I think yeah. it's great that you're taking these kids and, these, and even young adults and helping them get into a profession that, once again, is necessary and needed and breaking down those barriers between 
you know, we are all flesh and blood. We're all human beings. We, exactly. So everybody should get the same treatment, the same medical mm-hmm. uh, uh, perceptions that some doctors might have that might think because they look at charts and numbers. And sometimes you forget that these are real people sitting in front of you. So I think that's a really great right. thing that you're doing. So we have to thank wrap you. this up. So we're getting ready to go into our break. So thank you for joining us, Mr. Doctor. I mean, I'm sorry, Miss Dr. Adipa Johanna. And, and then let me just yes, plug the uh, – so we are having a health fair uh, August 18th and 19th. So if you are a um, a veteran who gets care at Jesse Brown and you're going to be there for an appointment or just in the neighborhood, please drop by, say hello to our students, and cheer them on in their journey to becoming physicians. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.